Well, welcome. I'm so glad that you are here. My name is Matt Wolf. I'm the lead pastor here, and I just want to tell you Merry Christmas. So good to see you guys. You know what the season is, right? The season of Hallmark movies. You guys been watching those Hallmark movies? Can I see some hands for who's been watching those? Everybody else is lying. No, when my wife Melissa and I moved to Denver about just over a year and a half ago, um, we decided not to re-up with cable, and I thought I would really miss it with no ESPN, but this time of year, it's really Melissa who's missing Hallmark Channel. Um, And we figured out a way that you could subscribe to just the Hallmark Channel for five bucks a month, and it really was a genius plan on my wife's part, because she gets to watch as many Hallmark movies as she wants, and I'm a cheapo, so I'm like, I've got to get my money money worth, I'm going to watch those movies too. So I've been watching a lot of Hallmark movies. We've been watching uh, a lot of Hallmark movies. And, you know, those movies, it seems like it's the same plot over and over and over again. This couple, they fall in love, they go ice skating. Everything is so decorated for Christmas. The lights are up. Everything looks beautiful. And it seems like every single one of these movies, there's a tree lighting in town square. I don't don't know why, but there always is. And then the couple magically falls in love, and you go, oh. And we watch movies like this even though we know what's going to happen because it's almost an escape from reality, right? It's like, oh my gosh, we can leave all the stuff in my own life and I can just kind of escape for just maybe an hour and a half or two hours to a different reality. Because sometimes life is tough and we want that. And sometimes it feels like that's really what Christmas is about. We put up all these lights, all the decorations, so everything looks good. We go smiling door when we go to different people's houses for parties. We act like everything is great. We open up presents, but sometimes it's the hardest time of the year. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you are feeling that even right now because this is the first Christmas that you're away from those people that you love and care about. Or maybe a divorce has just kind of ripped apart your family and you're thinking, man, it's never going to be the same like it was. Or maybe there's a death and you're saying, man, I'm going to miss that person because they're never going to be there again. I remember even speaking with one woman who a few years ago was diagnosed with breast cancer two weeks before Christmas. She said they put up the decorations, they tried to be happy, but underneath all of it, there's just that truth, the reality that things are hard. And that's kind of how it can be that we just kind of pretend like everything is good. But the true message of Christmas is not let's just pretend like everything's good. Because Christmas... And the true message of Christmas knows that there is darkness in our world. There are difficult times that we all experience, that our world can be a very dark place. But what we celebrate at Christmas is that, yes, there is darkness, but there is also light. And there is hope that is coming into the world. Pastor Tim Keller in New York City said this, The message of Christmas is, the world is a dark place, and yet... The coming of Jesus Christ shows us no one and nothing is hopeless. Amen? That's why we celebrate Christmas every year. We don't hide the truth. We don't hide the reality that there is darkness in the world. We celebrate the reality that a light has come into the darkness, that dawn has broken. And that's what we're going to see today. We've been looking through the month of December at the prophecies of Isaiah. Now, Isaiah was a prophet, a spokesperson for God, who spoke some 700 years before Jesus was ever born. And he spoke as he was inspired by God himself. And Isaiah gave these prophecies, and we've looked at several of them, because they were all looking forward to a Messiah, a Savior, who would come. And Isaiah gave those prophecies in a very dark time. Things were going really poorly in the country as a whole. 
They were being led by a ruler who was making a lot of foolish decisions and leading the country into ruin. There was enemies on the horizon. People were afraid and worried. Economically, things were not going well. Things were going downhill quickly. People were without jobs. They had no food to eat. And they were dealing with personal loss as well. It says in this section of scripture that people were turning to mediums and seances. Why? Because they missed their dead loved ones. And they were trying to figure out what can we do right now. It was hard to even have wisdom to figure out what was going on in life. And it was into that darkness that God spoke. Saying someone was coming. A light was coming. And that's where we're going to pick up our passage in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2. In Isaiah 9, 2, we read, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Saying, hey, things are dark right now in our country and in your lives. We're not going to pretend like things are great. We're not going to just put up bells and whistles, gold and tinsel. No, no, no. I know the darkness is real, God is saying, but there's a light that is coming. Hope is on the horizon. And it's in darkness, it's in night that we want light the most, right? You ever felt that in the night where you said, man, I need some light? Melissa and I uh, were camping in Utah, and Melissa was born and raised in Moab, Utah, and we were in the mountain range there just outside of Moab, and we were camping, and there's a lot of black bears in those mountains. And that night when we were sitting around the campfire, Melissa, my wife's dad, and my father-in-law told us a story Uh, from just a few weeks earlier that one of his um, friends from high school, uh, this woman had been laying underneath the stars looking up and a bear had woken her up because the bear was biting her arm, ripped out a tendon, doing permanent damage. So he was telling us this around the campfire as we were about to get into our tent, right? And then we went to sleep that night. Everything was good, but then we were awakened in the night. Something grunted. There was something moving right outside our tent. It was growling. And we could hear footsteps. Something was trampling on the grass. And it grunted again and then growled. Man, the hair on my arms was sticking straight up. My heart was pounding in my chest. We were terrified. We were whispering to each other, Did you hear that? What was that? And we kept hearing another growl. And it was moving. And it seemed like even closer to our tent. Just between us and sure sudden death was just two millimeters of nylon. We were terrified, right? Finally, I got up enough courage and I got a little flashlight and a little can of bear spray. And Melissa unzipped the tent real quick and I jumped out trying to find that bear, but it was gone. So we tried to sleep. (laughs) We tried to get back to sleep. Melissa finally got in the truck. She's like, I'm not sleeping in that tent. But then the sun came up. Dawn broke in the morning. And as the light came out, we saw a deer right next to the tent. Now, we, oh, we, we think that it was a bear, but it was probably a deer, right? But in the night, it was so terrifying. We were scared. But then when, la- night, when the light came in the morning, everything was fine, right? You experienced that before? Maybe you've experienced it personally. In the night, you wake up in the middle of the night. Your heart's pounding. You're in that cold sweat and and you feel that pressure on your chest and the worries that you have in your life just seem so huge. The problems seem insurmountable. There's no way out of this. And then you wake up in the morning. That wasn't that big of a deal. Why was I so worried about that thing? You ever experienced that? Somehow that when dawn breaks, when light comes, 
The worries of the night are gone. What Isaiah is saying is, in this night, in this darkness that we're experiencing in our lives, there is a light. There is a dawn that is coming. There is hope. And what Isaiah was doing was 700 years before Jesus would come, he was pointing forward and saying this Messiah would come, the Savior, the light of the world would come. And we know that the light he was talking about was Jesus. Earlier in this prophecy, he described how it would be someone from the region in the north of Nazareth, Nazareth, where Jesus was from. But we know Jesus wasn't born there, was he? See, 700 years after Isaiah gave this prophecy, there was a teenage girl named Mary. She was engaged to a young man named Joseph, and they hadn't had sex before, and yet she was pregnant. Because an angel had come to her and told her, you will conceive a child and you will call him Jesus because he will be the savior of the world. And they lived in the region of Nazareth in the north. But there was a census at the time. See, the, the Caesar Augustus, the emperor at the time, said everybody had to go to their hometown. And Joseph, when he heard about his uh, soon-to-be wife being pregnant, and he knew he wasn't the father, he was like, mm, I'm going to be done with her. I'm just going to make it quietly, make it go away. But then an angel appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, no, Joseph, that child is from the Holy Spirit. and He will be the savior of the world. So Joseph took his bride-to-be and they went to Bethlehem, took his pregnant wife there and it was just a small podunk village of about 200 people where another prophecy from the prophet Micah had said the Messiah would be born. And there they were in Bethlehem and there was no room for them. In such a small town, there wasn't enough room for all the people coming for the census. So finally, they found room in a barn, in a stable where the cows stunk and there was urine and it smelled and it was disgusting. And yet that's where the baby Jesus would be born, that savior of the world. And the angels knew that this was a different child. And the angels went out to the shepherds. In the fields nearby, and they said, there is good news of great joy. The Savior has been born. And the shepherds came to worship this new child that had been born. And then somehow God had worked through the astronomical signs, and there was a star shining, and these wise men, these kings from the east, came, and they were led to that tiny village, to the stable. And though they were kings of this earth, they brought gifts fit for a king and bowed down in worship to the king of kings. See, in verse 6 of Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah said, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Isaiah said a savior would be coming, and he would not be a king riding a white horse. It would not be a great army. It would not be a technological advancement or some scientific achievement that would all of a sudden fix everything for mankind. No, it would be a child, a baby. 700 years later, it happened. That child was born. The light of the world had come. And this is what I want to tell you today. I want you to hear this and know this for sure, that Jesus is the dawn for your darkness. We're experiencing different darknesses. We're all in difficult times in our lives and, and diff going through different trials and, and difficulties. And no matter what it is, Jesus is that dawn for your darkness. He was the light that came into the world. When everything may have seemed hopeless, hope had finally been born in a manger. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. 
as Jesus. And I want to challenge you because we need this light. We need this. Who in here is ready for a new year? You're saying, I am done with 2018. Anybody? That's me. That's how I'm feeling. I'm like, I'm ready for 2019. It can't come quick enough. Because this year has been particularly hard for my wife and I. In fact, it's probably been the hardest year of our life. Let me give you some backstory. Um, it, it took Melissa and I four years of trying before we had our first child, McKinley. And she was an amazing gift. We had to work with a fertility clinic, but we're so blessed by that child. She's about to turn two in a couple weeks. We love our daughter, McKinley. Um, and then, you know, in all that time, we had never gotten pregnant on our own. And then here come this January, and we found out Melissa was pregnant. We were excited. But then a few weeks later, we went to the doctor and for an ultrasound, and there was no heartbeat. And that was our first miscarriage. But then again in August, and again in November, we lost two more kids. And the, the, when the first one happened, I was just trying to white-knuckle it. You know, I'm going to be strong, I'm going to be tough, I can make it through. But then the second one happened, and I was angry. And then when the third one happened, I was like, man... I'm feeling something, and I realize now it was grief. I'd never experienced that before, and if you have, you know what I'm talking about. It comes in these hard waves, and, and it's just unexpected, and you feel overwhelmed, and you're sad and angry, and you're desperate, and it feels like things are, are, could never be any worse, and things will never get better. And that's what we were experiencing. But let me tell you, in the darkness that I experienced this year, there was a hope, and there was a light that was stronger than the darkness. And I want you to know that light too. Some of you are struggling this year as well. You're ready for a new year. Maybe it is with a miscarriage or infertility. Maybe it's with a death. Maybe it's with something going bad in a relationship or at work. Things aren't going good at school. You're like, man, I don't know how anything could get better. It just seems like things are getting worse and worse and worse. You're even wondering, is there a reason to keep going on? But I want to tell you today, there is hope. The darkness is real, yes, but the light is real as well. And Jesus is the dawn for your darkness. I do not want you to forget that. And if you're saying, well, how does that even work, Matt? How does that even work? That's exactly what Isaiah is going to explain. Because Isaiah gives four names for Jesus in his prophecy 700 years before it ever happened. And I want you to know these names of Jesus. Isaiah said, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. You see, Jesus is the counselor who hears us, who listens to us, even when we're angry And we're crying out and sad and confused. He hears us and he loves us. And Jesus came as a human, so he knows what it's like to be sad, deal with difficulty. He was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. He had his friends die. He knew what it was like to struggle and suffer just like the rest of us. He knew what it was like to have weakness. And he cares about us with empathy and he listens to us as the wonderful counselor. And he gives us counsel when we don't know what to do and can't figure out how to move ahead. He guides us with the spirit if we in faith have trusted him. He gives generously wisdom to all without finding fault, we read in his word. He wants to lead us into the future with help. And I know personally that Jesus is my wonderful counselor because there was one day when I was angry. I was livid and I went out for a run and I'm not in great shape, but I just kept running and running and running. And I, at the beginning of my run, was crying out to God. I was yelling and screaming. I was angry. Why, God? Why is this happening? What are you doing? Where are you? And if you would have seen me in the park that day, you would have thought, man, that guy is crazy. But Jesus saw me and he loved me and he listened to me. And by the end of that run, I could tell that he was with me. And he was comforting me as the great and wonderful counselor. And he will do that for you as well. 
He is our wonderful counselor because here's the second name for Jesus. He is our mighty God. Because Jesus was literally God in the flesh. He came down from heaven in glory and he came down to be among us, walk among us, to experience what it was like to be human. And he was God in the flesh. And he is mighty because he is able to do anything. With man, things are impossible. but With God, nothing is impossible. He can do all things. He can conquer over whatever we're facing. No matter the difficulty, no matter how hard, he is our mighty God. And no matter how far we've gone away from him and struggled, he is mighty to save and can redeem us from the pits or whatever darkness we're carrying around inside of our hearts. He says, I am mighty God for you. And I knew that he was mighty God for me. And I knew as I cried out to God that he is the author of life, that he could bring life into our family. Or even if he didn't, I know that he can work in all situations in all things for the good of those who love him. And he will make things right. He is my mighty God. But Isaiah goes on with a third name. He says that Jesus is our everlasting father because he reveals that we have a father in heaven that loves us and cares about us unconditionally. Everlasting is his love for us and it will never end. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And Jesus shows us that. Jesus would even tell a story about a prodigal child. This son that ran away from his father, ruining his inheritance, spending all his money, living with prostitutes, and eventually finding himself eating the food of the pigs in desperation. And when he came crawling back to his father's house, hoping just to get the scraps off the table, his father saw him in the distance and ran to him. And he came out with a bear hug to welcome his son back. And Jesus shows us that our father is just like that because I know that I have a father who knows exactly what it's like to lose a child. And he even sent his son, knowing he would die for us. Because Jesus was not just born for us. He didn't just live in service for us, but he died on the cross for us. And God in heaven, our Father, knew that was going to happen, but he loved us so much that he wanted to make that happen. To reconcile us to himself with his own child. He is our everlasting Father. And fourth, Isaiah says that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Because through Jesus' death, by his blood shed on the cross... We can have peace with God, even if we've been sinning if we've been turning away from him and rejecting him. He says, at all costs to myself, I will send my son to reconcile you to myself so that we can be friends and have a relationship so that I can have those ready and open arms for you. Jesus brings us peace with God and he brings us peace in our hearts because Jesus didn't just be born for us. He didn't just live for us or die for us. But three days later, he rose from the dead and appeared to over 500 people over a span of 40 days before he ascended into heaven where it says that he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He is on his throne right now in power. And he says if we cast our cares on him, he listens to us, cares for us, and offers us the peace that transcends all understanding that will guard our hearts and our minds. And I know this is true. I've felt it. The peace of God that even in the midst of turmoil, when things are going crazy, there's this peace that can come over you from God himself, from Jesus himself. That in the midst of sorrow and sadness, there is joy. Because Jesus is our Prince of Peace. And today I want you to know this. That yes, there's darkness, but Jesus is the light. This is how he is the light for us. There's a woman that's been coming to our church pretty recently. She just moved here. She's been a widow for a few years. And just recently lost her job. And I was talking with her and I said, how are you, you know, making through? How are you doing it? You, have, you seem so upbeat. How, how are you keeping it going on? And she said, you know, a, a while back, I wrote down in my journal 30 names for God. 
She showed me her journal. She had all these names of God written down. And she said, whenever I feel desperate or angry or sad or whatever's going on, I look at these names and I claim them to be true because they are true. And these four names I want to give you today, you can write them down. You should memorize them because you should know that Jesus is these things for you. That when you don't know what to do, when you're lost, you have a wonderful counselor who will listen to you and guide you. When you feel like you're stuck and there's no way forward, everything is impossible, and know you have a mighty God on your side. And when you feel like I've gone too far, I've sinned too much, things are too bad, you have an everlasting Father who always loves you. And when you have that anxiety... That pressure, that turmoil in your soul, know you have the Prince of Peace on your side. Claim that truth. Know it in your soul. Some of you need this today, right now. This message is for you, not just for me. And I want you to hear this. I want you to know it and believe it deep in your soul. Others of you are saying, Matt, why are you such a Scrooge tonight? Really bringing down the atmosphere, right? I get it. If you're saying, Matt, this year has been great, I've loved 2018, I got married, I had the child, I got the promotion, things are great for me, awesome, celebrate it, okay? I want you to experience the fullness of joy that God has for you in those gifts. Celebrate it, thank Him, make sure this Christmas is the best ever. But years from now, when you are in a time of darkness, when you're struggling, I want you to remember the truth about Christmas. I want you to remember the truth of who Jesus is, these four names. Don't forget it. There will come a time that you need to know this truth. You need to know who Jesus is. You need to know that he is the dawn for your darkness. Don't ever forget that. Some of you here are wondering about this. Man, it seems amazing. And let me tell you, it is amazing. In verse 7, Isaiah says this. Listen to this. He says, Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Jesus would be from the lineage of King David, a direct descendant, and he would come to be the savior of the world. And he would bring a peace that would have no end. His kingdom would come and emerge. And if you're saying, oh, Matt, that sounds too good to be true. It's true. There's this uh, atheist professor, Bart Ehrman. And he knows how amazing this is. This is what he said. He said, I myself do not believe in God. But if I did, the God of Christmas would be the God I would defend, promote and proclaim enough of war, enough of starvation, enough of epidemics, enough of pain, enough of misery, enough of abject loneliness, enough of violence, hatred, narcissism, self-aggrandizement and suffering of every kind. He goes on to say, give me the God of Christmas, the God of love, the God of an innocent child in a manger who comes to bring salvation and wholeness to the world the way it was always meant to be. He knows how good it is. Sadly, he misses it by this much. He realizes how great this truth is, the real message of Christmas. But he misses it. So one of my mentors would say he missed it by 18 inches, the distance from his head to his heart. And I don't want you to miss it by 18 inches. If you're here today and you're saying, Matt, that sounds great. I want that hope. I want that light in my life. So no matter how bleak things get, I have hope and a light that can guide me on. Let me tell you this. It's true. Just as Isaiah prophesied 700 years before, Jesus was the Messiah who came and died for our sins and rose from the dead and ascended into heaven where he's on the throne right now. The king is alive. He's reigning today. I want you to have that king on your side. 
So what we're going to do right now is I have the band come up. I want to give you a chance to make Jesus the king in your life so that you have that wonderful counselor, that mighty God, the everlasting father and the prince of peace on your side so that you have a light for your darkness and you know that no matter what happens, there is hope. Nothing is hopeless. No one is hopeless because Jesus was born. Jesus died and Jesus rose from the dead for me. So what I'm going to do right now, the the way to make Jesus your king is just to acknowledge that you're a sinner, that you need his help and forgiveness. And you ask him to be the king of your life and he will give you that hope. He will give you his spirit to guide you and he will give you eternal life with his father where you will reign with him in paradise. And you can say that with just a simple prayer. In Romans chapter 10, we're taught that if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's with a simple declaration that shows that something has happened in your heart. And if that has happened in your heart tonight, I don't want you to miss it by 18 inches. So I'm going to give you a chance to say a simple prayer. You'll be able to repeat after me. So this is what we're going to do. If you have said this prayer before, if you believe in Jesus, he's already your king, I want you to say this prayer too. So you can kind of give courage to the other people who are saying, I don't know, does other, do other people believe it? Yes, we believe it. And it's true, it's real. And if you're here and it's the first time and you're saying, I think I want that Jesus in my life. I need that help. I need that hope. I want you to say this prayer and mean it. If you're here and you don't believe, that's fine. Just keep your mouth closed, okay? Okay? So I want everyone right now to just bow their heads and close their eyes. Bow your heads and close your eyes. And everyone who believes this, even for the first time, I want you to say this prayer after me. God, I admit I'm a sinner. And I need your help. Would you forgive me and give me hope? I declare you are the king of my life. Would you give me guidance? Would you give me your spirit? Would you give me eternal life? Thank you for that gift. Amen. Now with eyes closed and heads still bowed, everybody keep your eyes closed for just a second. If this was the first time you've ever said that prayer, if this is the first time you made Jesus king of your life, I want to see your hand because I want to pray for you. Awesome, praise God. Keep them up for just a second. Praise God. I'm going to say a prayer for you, and then I'm going to pray for all of us here. Lord God, I'm so grateful for those, these people today who have declared that you are king in their life. I pray that you'd fill them with hope and light that would never die. They would know that you are with them in your Holy Spirit, and that that eternal life is guaranteed to them. Lord, I pray that you would have hope for them in the darkest hours. And for the rest of us in here who may be struggling in a darkness, would you bring light into that? Would you bring dawn? Even though it seems dark, Lord, would that dawn just creep over the horizon so we could see that there is hope? And for all of us, would we never forget the meaning of Christmas? That yes, there is darkness, but you have shined a light. Your son Jesus was born for us, lived for us, died for us, rose from the dead for us, and ascended where right now he is reigning for us as the king of the universe. Lord, we celebrate that truth this evening on Christmas. Amen. Now, right now, we're going to get to listen to a poem from our very own Steph Staley.